we've been doing uh, this spiritual practices series the last few weeks, which has just been uh, fantastic. And I hit you between the eyes last week with uh, Sabbath. And uh, it's, it's a big one to take in, the spiritual practice of Sabbath. So Sabbath is a 24-hour period that we set aside for rest and for worship. It's really about having a proper, proper holy day. So where we get the word holiday from, actually having a Christ-centered, God-centered day once a week that we devote to God, uh, as opposed to devoting to ourselves. And what happens there is that we deal with our restlessness and we really come into a godly rest and we slow down and we learn to be with God, be with friends and family properly, be present. And it's a big one to take in. As I said last week, it's probably the most countercultural of all the seven practices we've been talking about. There's nothing in our culture that encourages us to really slow down, uh, be deep spiritually, be well-formed, well-rounded people. So I wanted to give it uh, two weeks. Uh, so we're onto it uh, today for a second time. And uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. It's up, ooh, it's up very high too. Organized here. It's funny, all the moment, how much uh, preparation you put into a Sunday. There's always something that goes wrong, isn't there? The human element is always there. So I should show you this actually. So if you were here last week, um, I just this is our um, Sabbath day journal that we use as a family to help us track what God is saying to us or words we get from God. Just also helps Zoe and I track what we're teaching the kids and what scriptures we're dealing with. And uh, it's got the scripture in the front here. From Psalm 39, verse 6, people are only shadows as they go here and there. They rush around, but it doesn't mean anything. They pile up wealth, but they don't know who will finally get it. That's why we practice Sabbath as a family, because we want to slow down and be with God. And we want to understand the purpose of life through God, not through rushing and piling up possessions and doing things uh, for ourselves. We had a great day yesterday, didn't we? It was only uh, the first kind of six hours of the day, really, because uh, then I went off to play soccer in the afternoon and the family came out and watched me. But um, it was a great morning and we actually ended up going back to what we used to do in the lockdowns. And that's where we would uh, put on some YouTube worship videos. And Jed has this uh, favorite robot that uh, sings worship songs. And it, it, it took us back to the uh, lockdowns. We used to worship together as a family and we, we watched some worship videos and danced around our lounge room together and... Um, and then Zoe spent some time reading through um, the Pilgrim's Progress with the kids. And we had a big breakfast, bacon and eggs. And we just slowed down. We worship. We rest a little bit as a family. Uh, we get to know each other and we get to know God. And it's, it's a powerful, uh, powerful thing. So if you weren't here last week, I, d I did mention that our Sabbath is not boring. It's really important to understand that. It's not boring. And, and it's also, it's not a day off. So you have a day off. But on a day off, you run around and uh, you do errands. And you um, have, still have work to do. It might not be paid work, but you still have work to do on a day off. So it's different to a day off. It's actually taking uh, a day to properly rest and to properly uh, be with God. And we also spoke about the fact that it's not legalistic. And this is very, very important because out of, out of all the spiritual practices, this is the one that it's easiest to fall into the should do's and the have to's and to put pressure on ourselves um, to, to do 24 hours or to, to stop and do nothing. And like all of the practices, we need to practice. We keep talking about this in this series. We need to practice. So following Jesus, being an apprentice of Jesus is about 
practicing. It takes time. It's, it's, it's about the long game. You might have been here a few weeks ago where I spoke about uh, marathon running. And that's the journey of the Christian. It's, it's playing the long game with Jesus and following him over the many days, the many weeks, the many months, the many years, as you become like him and you're formed like him. So we practice, as it says on the screen there, the spiritual disciplines to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. This is the motive of the spiritual practice practices. It's to become like Jesus because we're following Jesus. It's to look like Jesus because we spend time with him, we get to know what he's like because we want to become more like him and less like ourselves. And ultimately, like any following of Jesus, uh, it, everything ends in others. Just as Jesus showed us, he lived his life not for himself, he lived his life for others and ultimately he gave up his life on the cross for the sake of the world, for everyone, for normal human beings, for those who believed in him and those who didn't believe in him. He went to the cross and that's why we, as a mature Christian or someone who's following Jesus, we want to come to a place where out of our loving Jesus, we do great things for Jesus. There's, there's action that actually follows our faith and we're going to get into that a little bit more uh, today. So, but how about those socceroos this week, get into the World Cup? Did anyone get up like me at 4am to watch them? Did anyone? Oh, oh Cindy, what good on you, Cindy. Cindy lived in Brazil for a while, so like, were you following Peru? I hope you were following the soccer route. Uh, (laughs) She's got a bit of a South American flavor. So, but uh, they they won the World Cup. They got into the World Cup, one of the last teams, which was great. So I got up for that. My my own soccer career uh, is coming to a bit of a close. So (laughs) I'm turned 40 in a few months and... um, I've struggled to know my limits with when to stop playing sport. And as you're all sitting there thinking, man, this is this old guy out there trying to kick a ball around again, uh, trying to stay in the game. It's a little bit embarrassing. So I've been playing soccer since I was five years old, so almost 35 years. And uh, I had a decent uh, local soccer career, which was great. Most of my time I spent playing for Lang Warren Soccer Club, so 250 games um, for them. And uh, in 2017, it all started to come to an end a bit. I was 35. I was playing at a decent level here in Victoria, and I was just getting too old. We won the league that year, and the club got promoted to the top division in Victoria, and I was 35. And they gave me a big retirement send-off. So you can watch my video on YouTube, uh, Caleb Nichols' retirement video, and uh, they gave me all kinds of plaques and awards and trophies and made a big fuss of me, which was really nice. I've played the second most games ever for the club and scored the most goals ever in the history of the club. So it gave me a nice send-off. And I had a couple of months off. And then the summer rolled around and the next pre-season started and I came out of retirement for my first time. This was to become a pattern over the next few years of coming out of retirement many times. I think I've four times now I've come out of retirement. So I went down the road here just a kilometer down and played for Sky for a year and my, my back didn't agree with me really playing anymore and I went, had these chronic spasms in my back and my neck and I'd play for a couple of weeks and then I'd lay in bed for three days as I couldn't move properly and uh, the end of that season I said, great, it's all, it's all over. I have reached my limit. My body is screaming at me. You can't do this. You can't run around with young guys anymore for 90 minutes on a Saturday. You need to slow down. So I did. And the next year I played over 35 soccer. I just social, casual. But the funny thing was in that year, my body began to heal a little bit. 
And so the next summer rolled around. I thought I could go again. So I went back from over 35s back to playing down the road here, second division. Some of the guys I play with in my team were born after I played my first senior game. So I played my first senior soccer game in 1999. And some of these guys weren't even born till 2000, 2001. So I'm playing with these like 20 year old kids that are so fast and man, I'm falling apart. And it all came to a head last week. We had a horrible loss and I came home to Zoe and I said, I think, I think I'm finally done. I'm gonna to talk to the coach this week. I've reached my limit. I can't do it anymore. I'm losing a bit of confidence in myself. I just can't run anymore. I hadn't scored any goals. I played, played about eight games. I haven't scored any goals. I said, I'm really done. So I went down to soccer training Tuesday night. So I better talk to the coach. I've just, you know, maybe play one more game and I'm done. I mean, yesterday we won and I scored two goals. So I think I'm going to keep going to the end of the season. <laughs> I, oh, my wife's going to leave the church now. Great. Great. She said, if you don't stop, I'm leaving this church. It's hypocrisy. And it's true. I really struggle, have struggled to know my limit. Zoe stopped helping me about 10 years ago when I, I popped my shoulder out in a game. It was like over here for about 45 minutes. And, uh, and they recommend 12 weeks of rest. So the labrum of like the socket here was just torn to shreds. I could feel it bleeding for weeks on the inside here. And they recommend 12 weeks of rest. I missed one game. And from that day, Zoe has never really talked to me about injuries or rest or maybe stopping. She just said, that's a part of his brain and his life that I'm not involved in, God's not involved in, mentors aren't involved in, there's no discipleship there, there's no Jesus there, Caleb's just going to do what he wants to do, and uh, yeah, struggle with our limits, but we all struggle with our limits a bit, we all struggle with our limits a bit, knowing when to stop, and being able to embrace, well, well, well where, where can I go, what can I do, how far can I push, uh, where am I going to hit a boundary, and, and this whole practices we're talking about is, a, is about a slowed down deep spirituality but in order to practice the sabbath in order to slow down and pray and read the scriptures and be with jesus it takes something very difficult very difficult you have to embrace your limitations did anyone practice the sabbath this week did you do your four, few hours few of you did the four hours okay a few of you few of you my my hope one day is to get the whole church following the sermon following through during the week but we'll get there we'll get there it's a funny thing the sabbath because when you do it and you taste it and you see you can never go back it's that good but the challenge is we're not very good at embracing our limits and the sabbath says to us when we practice sabbath when we take time just to be with god and to rest and take a whole saturday or a whole sunday or something like that it essentially says God is in control. I'm a limited human being who doesn't know everything, who can't do everything, who's not strong enough, who's very fragile and falls apart at times. I'm going to take one day a week and obey the scriptures. Take one day a week, just as God did, rest as an acknowledgement of my limitations as a human being. You know, if you work, if you have a career, if you're out there nine to five, if you're a man, often work is very, very important to you and you receive a lot of your identity by what you do. We are told in our culture that you are limitless. 
You can perform higher. You can speak better. You can earn more. You can go the next dimension in your education. You can leave that job and go for that slightly better pay over there. We're always pushed to not embrace our limits. If you're a parent, you've got children, maybe you're a mum. You're constantly being pushed to the limits by children. And you feel you have to take them to this sport. You have to buy them these shoes. You have to get them this money and this kind of holiday. And again, we're pushed to give our children everything, to have no limits to our children or no limits to our parenting or no limits to our right to be entertained and to watch things and to go places and to do things and to have clothes and, and to have money or to have people open doors for us. We're entitled. We should be able to have all of these things. And again, we're often encouraged. There's no limits. Now, as I was thinking about this this week, a quote came to my mind from a great musical philosopher, maybe the greatest musical philosopher of the 70s and the 80s, Freddie Mercury. And he said to us this incredible line, I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. Maybe you remember it more like this, I want it all. I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. I can't even get a clap for that. I don't think I've ever sung in a sermon before. You're all shocked by how horrible my voice was. <laughs> You're stunned into silence. But that's the message we get, isn't it? I want it all, there's no limitations. I want it now, I want to have... And we can't embrace our limits. We struggle to know this is the level of my strength. This is the level of my intellect. This is the level of how I can spend my money. This is the scope of my schedule and my time and how I manage things. We've, we find it very difficult to put in boundaries, to say no, to even understand like me, to understand our physical limitations. And often so many of us have our body screaming at us. I can't go anymore. People constantly are burning out all around us physically and emotionally because it's a way of our body trying to pull us into check. When we have anxiety and worry and when we burn out or we have to sleep in or our back goes or our neck goes, so often it's because we haven't understood our limitations. We don't play within a fair playing field. We try to push all the time, assuming that we can have it all, we can have what we want, and we can have it all now. The message of the Bible is very different. <laughs> a slowed down spirituality and practicing following Jesus with prayer and scripture and silence and solitude and fasting and Sabbath, none of these things are about rushing and having and being limitless. They're actually all about embracing our limitation as human beings and positioning our life to somebody else who is limitless. That's God. He is infinite. He is eternal. He is omnipresent, omnipotent. We are limited, finite, natural, stuck in our human bodies. We're not a spirit that can just go anywhere. Sabbath and the spiritual practices are about embracing our limitations and declaring that God is in control. Every time you rest and spend time with Jesus and pray, you are declaring that there is a God 
and that he is in control and that the only way that you will have peace and purpose and meaning and do anything great with your life is by first acknowledging he's in control, I'm limited, but I'm in love with him and I'm connected to him. And when I am weak, as the Apostle Paul said, then I am strong. When I am humble, then I can do great things through God. When I slow down and be with Jesus, that is a declaration of weakness, of limitation, of humility. Then God, through me, might be able to do something special. But it's God through me, not me wanting it all, having it all now. In Genesis chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. What a work. God created all things. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. I love this because God rested one day a week, but we think we don't need a rest. We don't think we need to take a Sabbath. We don't think we need to slow down. This really deals with us in that area. Even God rested after all of his work. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day. Now, this is the key. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Everyone say holy. holy. Say it like holy. Okay, it's holy. It's holy means set apart. It means different. It means differentiated. So you've got six days and then there's a differentiated day that's holy, that's set apart for something else than working and rushing and errands and jobs and paid work and unpaid work and kids and this and that and appointments. Get uh, uh, uh. God said, let's make one day a week holy, holy, set apart, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Just holy, coming to church is a time that we set apart every week. We, we take it seriously. It's a, it's, it's a time that's amazing and fun and filling, but it's also a time that's somber and worshipful. And we get our orientation right. That's the powerful thing of having Sundays, the first day of the week. We start the week by saying, you're in control. That's what you do every time you come to church. You come here and you say, I'm going to worship you. You're in control. I'm going to hear your word. I'm going to position myself again because after the last six weeks, I'm a bit... Uh, and I'm a bit uh, in my heart, and I'm a bit uh, distracted here, and uh, pulled over there, and uh, disappointed about that. But I'm going to come to church, I'm going to Sabbath, I'm going to set aside Sunday for God. I'm just going to get back to who I am, to who He is, and to where I'm going with my life. By coming to church and worshipping and spending this time with God on a Sunday, you put yourself in a position to make great decisions for the next six days. You think if you didn't go to church, you think if you didn't, weren't in a small group, you think if you didn't read the Word of God, your decisions are here, there, and everywhere. But by slowing down and being with God here and there, and especially on a Sunday and in worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, that's the living in community practice that we spoke about, positions you to make great decisions, to make the kind of decisions that you want. You know, nine out of ten decisions that you make should be something to do with no Something to do with, I just can't do that. I'm sorry, I just can't get there. I'm sorry, I can't do. Everyone else will want you to do something for them. You are the only one who can say no and control your own time. But it's very difficult to do that if you don't have a purpose, if you're not going somewhere, if you don't have God helping you get somewhere because everything seems like a good option. You don't want to disappoint your family. You don't want to disappoint your wife by saying no to her. I'm not going to get you in trouble. Sometimes I have to say to Zoe, I just can't do that. 
I just, I don't think as a family we can go there because it's just going to pull us to the left, it's going to pull us to the right, but we need to be going here. Nine times out of ten, you need to say no, but it's very difficult without a deep spirituality and a prayerful life. It goes on in Exodus 20 verse 8, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. This is one of the Ten Commandments. Do you want to know how to live? Do you want to know how a society should operate? Well, God gives Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai and says, this is how a society should operate. The Jewish people should revolve around these Ten Commandments as the foundation of how to live. And the fourth commandment here takes us back to Genesis 2 and and, and God says to Moses, remember the Sabbath. Everyone say, remember. How do you sign remember? Remember, something to do with your head. Remember, there you go, you grab it. Remember, I love that. Isn't that a great sign? Sometimes the uh, Auslan helps us better than the English, really. Remember, why? Because we forget, we drift, we get distracted. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath to the Lord your God, on it you shall not do any work, neither you your son, your daughter, your male, female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. I love that. Everyone connected to you comes into a day of rest. Everything connected to you stops, ceases from its work. Amen. This is from a 17-year-old high school girl who wrote this in her essay at school. She's actually one of 12 children, so a pretty busy home. And at 17 years of age, she wrote this in an essay for her schoolwork. Every Saturday night at 6.30, my whole house is dark except for one small candle on the kitchen table. It casts a warm glow on the faces of those seated around. My parents, six younger siblings, and commonly one or two guests. So not all of her 12 children lived at home at the same time. Covers are pulled off, enormous platters of food, and the aromas fill the air like a cool breeze on a summer night. This is how my family welcomes the Sabbath, a weekly ritual that we have had for about 10 years. It begins at 6 p.m. on Saturday and lasts until 6 p.m. on Sunday. It is so easy to get caught up in the mixed messages around us, and we need time to slow down as a family and keep in mind that our li- what our lives are really about. Imagine reading this as an English teacher. Your mind's been blown, hey? The ritual of Sabbath keeping is a radical statement that we are not God. And we trust Him to hold the world together, even if we stop for one day a week. Isn't that challenging? I'm not gonna, maybe I'm going to... Should I read for you the, between the lines here or not? Let me do it for you. You know I love to go to hard places, okay? Let me do it for you. So when we don't practice Sabbath, we are saying that we are God. When we don't slow down to be with Jesus, we don't have a healthy prayer life, we don't follow Jesus through the practices, we are saying that we're God. I can do it. I've got it in control. I'll make it happen. When we slow down to be with Jesus and give him time and give him space, we're saying... You're God. You can do it. You're in control. It's powerful. How's this 17-year-old understands something that's so difficult for most of us to grasp? We turn off all phones and computers and refrain from watching TV. We replace them with activities that build us up spiritually and bring us closer together as a family. 
This includes anything from playing guitar and singing worship songs, taking walks in the park and appreciating the beauty of the autumn leaves, to playing games and being silly. On Sunday mornings, we wake up early, rain or shine, and pile into our 15-passenger van to make it to church by 9am. Attending church serves as a reminder that we are part of a larger body of believers who are seeking a common goal. Sabbath is my favourite day of the week. If God chooses to give me a family one day, I would continue with this ritual. The Sabbath brings peace, love and order to our home and family and the benefits carry even further. There's four elements to Sabbath, which I quickly touched on last week. Let's go a little bit deeper today. They're taken from the Hebrew word Shabbat. So there's stop, rest, delight and worship. So these are the four elements that make a Sabbath day a Sabbath day and not just a day off or not just a day of doing other stuff. This is what makes a Sabbath a Sabbath in the biblical sense. If you like, it makes it a biblical Sabbath, not just something that we create in our own image, but according to the Word of God. So the first part of the Shabbat or the Sabbath is to stop, to cease all working, whether that's paid or whether that's unpaid. And importantly, by stopping, we are embracing our limits. We are saying that we're limited. We're saying that we're finite. We're saying, get this, it's pretty crazy. We're saying we're human beings. Do you know it's okay to be a human being? It's a beautiful thing to be created in the image of God. You know, some scholars think to the question of why did God create mankind? Why did God create people? Why bother if he's God? Some scholars suggest it's because it's the only thing that God doesn't have. Limitation. Humans are limited. It's the thing that God is not. He is limitless and he's given us the spirit without limit. So he created us to be limited, to be finite, to be human. So that he could be in relationship with us, the infinite God, the eternal God, and he could draw us into his eternity and into his eternal community. But we begin finite, we begin limited. You know, I'm always amazed how weak I am at the end of the day. Like I like to think of myself as strong, I like to think of myself as well put together, and I like to think of myself as intelligent, but really, let's be honest, common cold, I'm stuck in bed for half a day. You know, something goes wrong in my family or my friends or what, my work or whatever. I feel depressed, I feel sad. I find myself walking to the pantry to eat blocks of chocolate. Like things go downhill pretty quickly. I find myself wanting to just pick up my phone and just watch YouTube shorts for half an hour. Why? Because I'm weak, I'm vulnerable. I'm not as strong as I like to think I am. I'm often, usually, not the smartest person in the room. But everything in us tells us, like, pretend you're the smartest, or don't tell anyone you've got some weak points, or don't say that you just sat there on your phone for an hour. Like, who does that? You're a parent for crying out loud. You're a professional for crying out loud. But we're weak, we're depressed, we fall apart. Most of the time, we don't even know why we have funny feelings. <laughs> we don't even know why things are going wrong in our relationships. Our relationships break down, we don't even really get it. We don't really know what we did or what they did or whatever. And then we just point fingers everywhere and we're really 
limited as humans. We're weak, we're vulnerable, we fall apart quickly. We think we're going to live forever. We're not going to live forever. The Bible is very clear that your life is like a vapor. It's like a puff of smoke. It's like a flower that's here one day and gone the next. One day I'm going to die. Some of you might come to my funeral. And about five minutes after my funeral, you'll be at the wake eating sandwiches and dip and having a beer talking about what's on for the week. It's the reality. Funerals are sad and horrible, but really people move on. Life moves on. But God never changes. And he wants you to stop and experience him. You can touch eternity by being with God. Not by trying to do everything. So the literal Shabbat here, stop, means to desist. Desist from exertion. Desist from work. Desist from doing. It's learning. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. It's learning to be before you do. The world tells us do and then you'll be. God says be. Be a human. Be with me. Just be who you are. It's cool to be you and just to love God and go, God, I suck at a whole bunch of stuff. I struggle at a whole bunch of stuff. Just be you. Be with him. Be where you're at. Most of us try to live here because we want to be here, but we're really here. And guess what's in the middle here? Disappointment. (laughs) Just be where you're at. Just say to God, man, I sinned today. Man, I looked at some junk online. I did some stupid stuff. I lied a bit. Let's be honest. I told a few white lies at work. Just be that and pray that and just connect with him and let him form you and shape you and grow you and mature you. That's what stopping is about. And so the stopping literally when it comes to Sabbath is having a 24-hour period to be with God. If you've never done that before, just try and start with three or four hours, just one night a week. We don't look at a screen. You do a little bit of prayer, maybe with your people you live with, your roommates or whatever, and you just be with God for a few hours and then just go to sleep. Fancy that. You don't check your emails. You don't look at a text message. You don't have to call anyone. You don't have to watch a show. Just be with God. Out of being and stopping, what will happen is you will begin to be formed and shaped by the hands of God. And guess what? Then you can do something for God, but it will be what God wants. Then you can do something at work. You can do something for your family. But guess what? It's going to be what God wants. It's going to be blessed by God. It's going to be fruitful. Be before we do. Rest is the second part of Shabbat. So we rest our soul. We rest our whole person. So when we talk about our soul, we mean all the insides. We mean our heart, our spirit, our mind, our emotions, that soul, that inner part of who we are. We rest the whole person. Rest the outside, physically, the external. We rest the inside, our soul, and even our spiritual. We rest and be with God. We don't have to keep spiritually performing and pretending that we're super Christian or pretending that we know spiritual stuff. It's okay. Just rest. Just turn it off. Just be with God. Maybe stop praying out loud for a while and pray a silent prayer where God can just speak to you in the silence and in the solitude. It's something that for us as a family has been amazing, having times with the kids where we just sit there, we close our eyes, we maybe put on some worship music, we just listen. Just listen. My 10-year-old, my 8-year-old, my 5-year-old, guess what? They hear the voice of God like that. They hear God so clear. There's no doubt. (laughs) You don't learn a doubt until you become an adult. That's an adult 
hurdle that we have to jump. Kids are just like, yeah, he's just there and he said this to me and I saw this picture and I don't put things in their mind. I just say, what does God say? Hear a little whisper inside your heart. That's the voice of God. Bang, picture, word, this, whatever. Kids get it, but we get old and we get so smart that we can't stop. We can't listen. There's so many words when we pray and when we're doing things. So rest is about slowing down, napping, hiking, reading, eating good food, hobbies, playing sports, all these kinds of things. In the summer, we did some sunbaking in the backyard. Maybe for you, it's some exercise, although I would encourage you to exercise on other days, but maybe that for you is something that you need to rest. Exercise, family, spending time together, going out together. Something that's really important to, to rest though, and it was in the practice this week and I've kept it in the practice, oh sorry, last week was in the practice for this week as well, is to do a digital detox. Because it's really difficult to rest without putting your phone and your screens and your entertainment and your streaming devices away. You know, an iPhone user touches their phone 2,300 times a day on average. Picking it up, text message, notification, check email, watching YouTube. You know, we're quite connected to our phones. Nothing wrong with iPhones. I have an iPhone. It's a great tool. I love to use it. It's really helpful. But when we're, it takes over our life, a screen, we can't live without it. Can our kids get through an afternoon without having to watch a movie? Can they play? Can they imagine? Can they connect? You know, it's a real problem. And you probably will have withdrawals if you practice Sabbath and have a digital detox. You probably will find yourself out of habit going to your phone or going to a screen. I mean, what do you do with your time if you've got five hours ahead of you without a device, without gaming, without playing Elden Ring until three in the morning? I mean, what do you do? I mean, what do you do? Digital detox, I think, is so important. You'll probably have withdrawals, but I encourage you, Sabbath allows you to transition from relying on entertainment when you rest, which I don't think is restful at all, transition yourself to relying on prayer, worship, good food, good wine, friends, family, prayer, devotion, these kinds of things. And if you're really struggling, maybe check it once or twice for emergencies or Maybe grandma had a problem and you're worried that you're going to get a phone call. Maybe check it once or twice, but try and put it away. The third part of Shabbat is delight. Everyone say delight. Everyone say stop. Everyone say rest. And now we delight. So we pamper our souls with activities that spark joy, wonder, gratitude, happiness, things like eating food and walking in nature, spending time with family. And John Mark Comer says maybe even making love to your spouse. Now, apparently, this is the only thing that everyone heard in the sermon last week. I said, I, said, I said the S word. I said sex could be something you could do on the Sabbath. And oh, my goodness, our emails and text messages and like, good Lord, you thought, you'd think that was the topic of last week. But yes, maybe that is something delightful that you and your partner within the confines of marriage might do together. Okay, what gives me joy and delight? That's the question we're trying to answer on Sabbath. What gives me joy and delight? And you do you here. This is where you get to do you. What, what feeds your soul? What builds you up? What brings you closer to God and to your loved ones and those that are important? Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. I don't see anything there about chasing your desires, wanting things, putting goals on your wall and going after it and being a high performer. No, 
Spend time with God. Delight in Him. Take, delight means to take pleasure, to find joy in Him. He will give you the desires of your heart. He's a good father. He will give them. He might not give them in the way you expect, but he'll give them to you. He might not give them to you when you would like them, but he will give you the desires of your heart. The great challenge here is to delight and not to be distracted. This is the big challenge when we Sabbath, when we slow down. How do I delight in God and delight with my family and friends, with God at the center, when I'm used to distraction? I'm used to the screens, or I'm used to you know, playing the share market, I'm used to consuming. How do I just delight and not just do distraction? Distraction is something that we do to self-medicate. You know, we, we watch stuff online, or we play video games, or we watch movies or whatever, and a lot of the time it's to self-medicate. It's just to distract us and suspend reality for a moment, just to check out of the world for a couple of hours, and then we come back into reality, okay, and pick up reality again. God doesn't want us to have to live like that. We take moments of distraction just to, we feel like that's rest, but it's not. It's just a little bit of self-medication, a little bit of a dopamine hit. Did anyone like the post that I put up? Has anyone put anything on Instagram that I might think is cool? It's all about dopamine hits. It's about self-medicating. And we're, we're caught, we're addicted to the crack of hurrying, rushing, consuming, always having something, never being bored. Delight is the complete opposite. And it's the challenge for you. It's the adventure for you in God to find a way to delight in Him. One of the things that we've been doing on Sabbath in order to delight and spend time with our children is we've been reading through the Pilgrim's Progress. And this has been a great uh, structure for us because if you come into Sabbath, especially if you've got children, you don't know what you're going to do, you're not planned and prepared, then you're probably not going to do anything and it will probably be very difficult and stressful. What do we do now? How do we pray? What scripture do we read? So something that's given us some predictability, so we know what we're going to do on Sabbath, we've been reading through, it's actually called the Little Pilgrim's Progress, so it's Pilgrim's Progress rewritten for 8 to 12 year olds, and man, you ha- I'm, I'm not going to say you should or should think about it, you have to do this with your kids, like this, apart from the Bible, the Pilgrim's Progress is discipling your children 101, it is phenomenal, so this is the, believed to be the first novel ever written in English, written by John Bunyan in 1678. It has never been out of print. Outside of the Bible, it is the most sold book, most popular book in all of human history. And the discipleship principles for young people are just phenomenal. And this, my brilliant wife, discovered on Amazon, this little Pilgrim's Progress, puts it into uh, childhood kind of words. Because I'm tipping you don't want to read 1678 English to your children because they will not be delighting or delightful. There'll be carnage at your house. So the final thing is worship and we're going to worship a bit more uh, before we finish today. So this is where we worship, we pray, we index our heart towards God, we study scripture, we adore God, we love God. Pete Scazzario doesn't call this worship, he calls this contemplate, this fourth point of Shabbat, just to contemplate God, His greatness, to love Him, to orientate our lives uh, around Him. It's so important, as I said before, if you're going to do Sabbath, you've got to have a plan when it comes to prayer and worship. You know, have a Bible book that you're working through with your family, your housemates, whoever you live with, whoever you do Sabbath with. You might invite someone else into that every now and again. We're studying this book of the Bible, or we're reading through a devotional, 
So again, you're not getting to your Sabbath or you're not getting to your time with God and what do I do? How do I do it? You've already got something. Well, let's just read the next chapter of Pilgrim's Progress. Let's just read the next part um, of the devotional or the next chapter of the Bible. Let's get practical for a moment and then we're going to stand up and just worship God. What do you... What are we talking about here? We're talking about Sabbath, but really we're talking about something broader than Sabbath. We're talking about a slowed down spirituality. Can we say that together? Slowed down spirituality. That's what we're talking about here. So we're kind of combining discipleship and following Jesus, apprenticing Jesus with, we need to resist the culture of hurry. You know, Sabbath and slowing down spirituality really, at the end of the day, is what we call spiritual warfare. If that's a new word to you, what we mean is that we're fighting powers, principalities, demons, the devil, all of these things that are trying to bring us to a place of hurry, anxiety, worry, stress. We're resisting that by slowing down our lives to be with Jesus and to be in love with Jesus. If your motive is not to find and love Jesus more, then Sabbath and the other practices are merely just self-help tips. As I said at the start of this series, the practices actually have zero power. Fasting, reading the Bible, praying, Sabbath, they actually have zero power in themselves. But what they do is they position you to the one who has power. They put you face to face with Jesus. This is why Sabbath is something that you will find difficult until you do it. Because once you do it, you'll go, ah, this is powerful. It puts me face to face with Jesus and my life changes. It transforms me. But it's something you've got to experience to really understand it. We practice slowing down in order to be with Jesus. We reorganize our routine to live from the divine center, which means live thinking of God first. God first. Seek his kingdom first before everything else. And we focus, focus our practices and our habits on God. It really comes down to what do you idolize? What is the idol in your life? If your idol is God... If your idol is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that triune God, then you will orientate everything around that and slow down to be with Him. If your idol is something else, buying stuff, pursuing stuff, watching stuff, even if your idol is your kids, you've got to be careful with that, parents or grandparents. You put your kids on a pedestal, everything's about them. Then you'll find yourself rushing and grasping and buying because your kids are important. You've got to do everything for them. That's also not healthy. But if your idol is God, then you'll be able to slow down in order to be with him. And that's really what I want to encourage you with this week. Last week, the practice was a four-hour Sabbath. This week, my encouragement is to extend that. Go beyond four hours. Even try and do 12 hours. Maybe try and start on Saturday night and then go through to Sunday lunchtime. I encourage you to extend that. If you didn't follow the practice last week, then I encourage you just start with something this week. The practice is really well laid, laid out for you. If you go to um, southernlights.org.au forward slash practice, there's seven simple steps there. Sit down with your spouse, your kids, sit down with the people that you live with, 
sit down with someone and talk through the seven things. It talks about the second point is about having a ritual to start your Sabbath and end your Sabbath, which is really important. So if they're not a clear beginning and a clear end, then it becomes loosey-goosey, doesn't have focus. So even if you do it for three hours, you might say, Thursday night this week, let's do Sabbath. Just taste and see. God is offering you a slice of heaven. He's offering you a taste of eternal rest in Sabbath. Just have a beginning and end. Start with some food, light a candle, read a psalm, and just enter into a time. Worship and pray together is the third point. The fourth point is a digital detox. Fifth is rest and delight. And sixth is discuss with your household. Reflect on the Sabbath. Actually talk about how it, and I put a few questions there, so you can talk about how did it affect us? What was it like? Is this something that we want to keep doing? And number seven uh, is this great um, workbook called How to Unhurry from John Mark Comer, and it probably explains it a lot better than me. There's far more details about how to practice Sabbath. And as always, we've got four discussion questions for you this week. If you want to discuss with someone, uh, sit down with a friend, have a coffee with someone, or our life groups have been using these. And as always, if anyone wants to be in a life group to practice the practice of living in community, uh, then our life groups are always available to you and there's a spot for everyone who wants to be involved in growing together. And I know from my life group, when we've sat down and done the questions, they've been fantastic. They open us up, they teach us to talk, to get honest with each other. Got all blokes, all dads in my group. It's hard for us to get honest, but these questions get us talking, get us honest, get us reflecting, get us praying for one another. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. Let's just stand up this morning commit this to the Lord thank you Lord God let's just stand up and just just take a posture of prayer and worship this morning <clears throat> just take a deep breath and just 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 switch off everything else for a moment don't start thinking about lunch or what you got to do this week let's just honor God as we finish this service this morning and bring our attention back to him it says in Matthew eleven twenty four, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Just close your eyes this morning. I will give you rest. That's the promise of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle in heart. That's who's calling you. That's who's talking to you. Not Pastor Caleb, but it's really God. And he is humble. And he is gentle. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Lord, we just thank you, Father God. Yes, we get challenged on a Sunday. We get challenged to come back to you. We get challenged to go deeper in you, Lord God. But thank you, Lord God, that in your challenge and in the truth as it comes to us is unconditional love. Your yoke, Lord God, it is a yoke, but it's easy. Your burden, Lord God, that you put upon us, it is a burden, but it's light. It's a burden, it's a yoke that brings rest to our soul. Lord, where we've lost our way, where we've fallen into faithlessness, we've lost our belief and our trust in you, we just return this morning to put our faith in you, to take on your yoke. Where we've lost our way, we're not following you. We've stopped apprenticing under you, Jesus. 
We've stopped looking to you as the master, the teacher, the rabbi, the one that we model our entire life on. Lord, we just return to that. We return to that. I thank you for a grace, Lord God, a grace to Sabbath for our church, a grace to slow down for our church, a grace, Lord God, just to be with you so that people are filled up, that their being precedes their doing so that we can be with you and we can be filled by you and then we can overflow, that when we do, it all comes out of an overflow. It comes out of an extra. It comes out of a surplus that our spirits are full, our hearts are full. We're full of peace, we're full of love, we're full of joy and that's what overflows into the six days of work as we go into them. Forgive us for where we've westernized our week into Monday to Friday, into nine to five, Lord God. This was never your intention or never your time, Lord God. You gave us six days to do our stuff and then one day to keep holy, Lord God. Let us align our schedule more with your life-giving schedule so that we would be full, Lord God, in your mighty name.